hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So have you ever gone stargazing? It's quite spectacular if you're a city dweller like me when you get away from the city lights and really have a look at the night sky. Well, travel writer Carol Patterson wrote about a recent stay she had at the Emerald Lake Lodge in Yoho National Park, where she did some stargazing. So we'll chat with Carol about her experience in a few moments. And later in the podcast, we're going to announce our third and final winner of our bucket list contest with Trafalgar Tours. But first... We're going to talk about responsible travel. It appears that not only are the vast majority of us itching to get away somewhere, but we're also willing to do it more responsibly. According to a survey from Virtuoso, 82% of respondents said the pandemic has made them want to travel more responsibly in the future. So what does all of that mean? Well, joining us now to talk about it further is Eric Bowman. He is the executive editor at Travel Pulse who wrote about it recently in his travel brief on the Travel Pulse website, travelpulse.com. Hi, Eric. Hey, Randy. How's it going? It's going quite well. Uh, What do we mean by responsible travel when you're uh, talking about responsible travel? I kind of have an idea of it. I'm sure a lot of people have an idea of it. But uh, in general, what are we talking about? Yeah, for the most part, I mean, when you hear that, it's, it's just about making sure you're taking care of the environment and the earth around you and you're being responsible travel. Obviously, it's got kind of a multi um, meaning in this day and age in the era of COVID because you want to be responsible and make sure that you're getting tested before you go and you follow protocols and everything. But typically, responsible travel, it's about being an eco-friendly traveler, taking part in uh, sustainable travel, green tourism, all the many names that there are. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me the industry has responded quite well. Uh, more and more you're seeing, uh, you know, for example, uh, greener resorts, for lack of a better term. Uh, so if they're doing it, I guess uh, by just the trickle-down effect, travelers would be doing it. Yeah, I think that's the key, too, is, is travelers need to just kind of voice that they're interested in that, and then it's going to create this you know shift in the market of suppliers and hoteliers wanting to go, okay, this is, this is what people want. This is what we need to be doing you know, for our own climate and our own um, environment to make sure that we're being responsible in the way we build and the way we host people and all that. So, yeah, it's very key. Give me, do you have an example of what a, <laughs> an unresponsible traveler would be like? Do we even see that anymore? Because I think people are really, like we like we're just talking about, they're more conscious about it. But do we still see it? Yeah, I mean, there are some people who just don't care. Um, I, I like to think that there, there are like three buckets with responsible travel. is people who don't care, people who operate under the something is better than nothing, or the people who are full, um, 100% all in on you know, sustainability and ecotourism. So a lot of people are in that middle ground where like to do something is better than nothing. But unfortunately, there are still people who operate and uh, they just don't care. And what we see from that is, you know, people reusing or not reusing uh, uh, their own water bottles. So they're just constantly using plastic water bottles and they're throwing away in trash cans when they should be recycling those or they're just throwing away waste that could be recycled. And that's kind of where it really starts for a lot of people is being unresponsible. That's a really good example because uh, it just came to me that uh, you see that, and, in, and I'll speak for myself, 
you think, who just did this? Like, who left this plastic bottle? The, the plastic bottle has become the epitome, I think, of the irresponsible travel uh, traveler. <laughs> and so it's a, a great example of that. Uh, is it always just environmental, though? Because I am thinking uh, the local economy is also, if you're helping out locals, that's being responsible too, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's kind of the next, the, the other side of being responsible is to help out the local people, the community, where you're at, where you're staying and, you know, where you want to travel. Like if you go to Costa Rica and you want to help out people there locally, or if you're just going to Cancun, Mexico and staying at an all-inclusive resort, that's fine. That's a great experience, but, you know, talk to the resort. What can you do to help out? What can you volunteer while you're down there? There's volunteerism is a big thing as well. So there's a lot of different aspects of where you can, you can help wherever you go, even if you are just going to some, you know, five-star resort and lounging on the beach, you can still do things to be responsible and make a conscious effort. And mm-hmm. I think the big part of that is making sure you, you talk to people before you go where you're going to stay and that can help shift where you want to stay. Maybe, you know, someone can point you in the right direction of a better um, resort that meets those needs if that's a, if that's a huge concern for you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a good news story, right? Uh, people are wanting to be a little bit more responsible and as s- stories emerge of how you can be more responsible, it's just a, a win-win for everybody. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we, we need to treat the earth well, you know, so it'll, it'll, it'll do right by us, you know, if we do right by it. It's kind of a, a good way to think about things is, you know, treat, treat things well. Um, and I think we're seeing that too in the way that this, you know, nature kind of healed, so to speak, in a lot of ways over the last year where people weren't traveling as much. Mm-hmm. So we got to think about that as you get out there. And that is impacting a lot of people. A recent survey from Virtuoso highlighted that, you know, a lot of people are taking that into consideration being more responsible and how can they be more eco-friendly when they travel and what are ways they can do and things that they can help out. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a growing movement and I hope that it continues to um, explode. Well, as long as we get to travel again at some point. Yes. <laughs> Eric Bowman yes. is the uh, executive editor of Travel Pulse. You can find his Bowman's Travel Brief, uh, the recent one about responsible travel, uh, on the Travel Pulse website, travelpulse.com. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much, Randy. You have a good one. So have you ever gone stargazing? It is something to see if you're a city dweller like me when you get away from the city lights and really have a look at the night sky. Well, travel writer Carol Patterson wrote about a recent stay she had at the Emerald Lake Lodge in Yoho National Park where she did some stargazing. And you can find it on the Family Fun Canada website, familyfuncanada.com. And Carol is here now to share her experience. Hi, Carol. Hi, Randy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, tell me about the Emerald Lake Lodge. I, I kind of know where it is. I see the signs on the Trans-Canada Highway driving by, but I've never been. So uh, give us the lowdown on, on where it is and uh, all, the, all the particulars that way before we get into some details about stargazing. Sure. Now, Emerald Lake Lodge is it's almost like being in the backcountry, but without having to hike in or take a helicopter in. It's a lovely lodge. It's a uh, I'm not sure of the age, but it's probably 30 to 40 years it's been in that, uh, the current um, format of it has has been there. And it's a two and a half hour drive uh, west of Calgary. So just as you go past Lake Louise and past Field, it's it's just right off the road. So people who have maybe driven the Trans-Canada might have seen signs for Takaka Falls 
or the Natural Bridge. Those are all popular attractions at Yoho. Um, but Emerald Lake Lodge is really a beautiful place to go to. Uh, as its name suggests, it's on a lake, and it is named well. The, in the summertime, the lake is just the most beautiful color of green, and it's, I'm sure, graced many Instagram feeds. Uh, but the lodge itself is, is built right on the banks of the, the lake, and it's on a little peninsula of land. So the, the units are actually sticking right out into the water, and uh, it makes for just a, a stunning uh, setting, whether you go there in the spring or the summer, fall, winter. Um, any season is good, and it is open four seasons, uh, so people can visit, um, you know, depending on what type of activity they like or what sort of season um, they prefer to travel in. Mm-hmm. So when were you there? Um, I went for a little break um, in uh, midwinter, so I think it was uh, February that I went out for a, a short uh, stargazing uh, weekend. Nice. So, uh, give me a, a more description about uh, like how many rooms and just how quiet is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's fairly quiet. Uh, there are twenty four buildings, and I understand they can handle up to 200 people so uh, there's a lot of wedding happening at Emerald Lake Lodge just because of the setting but uh, and there's actually a small socially distanced one going on when I was there but uh, for the most part the the units are like sort of a fourplex so there's two units upstairs two down Uh, they have nice comfortable beds and they have wood-burning fireplaces which is something I think a lot of us associate with sort of that mountain experience Mm -hmm. and uh and so it is quiet. Um, they allow dogs in some of the rooms. So, you know, you might see Rover going by. But um, for the most part, it is a very tranquil place. And it's it's obviously a little busier during the day when people, day visitors, are coming to the park. But at night, when everybody clears out, it's extremely quiet. And now, you mentioned it's actually quite easy to get to. Um, I always thought it was more on the back country, But, but uh, I understand the way you're describing it. It, it is easy to get to. Yep, you just drive up the road. Uh, obviously, in summertime, it's a little harder with the congestion and all the traffic, but in the shoulder seasons or, or winter, um, it's a relatively short 10-minute drive off the highway um, to reach the shuttle bus that takes you into the lodge. Now, do they have a restaurant there? Like, what do you do for uh, dining? Yes, they have a very nice restaurant. They have a, a cafe for more casual dining. Uh, the Mount Burgess restaurant is the one that we got some food uh, takeout, and it was an excellent meal. It was a sure, it was a nice change from pandemic uh, cooking <laughs> at home, um, and the food was superb, even in a takeout format. So yeah, I'm still thinking about that meal. It was it was good. And speaking of uh, pandemic and restrictions and things, and I and I know things change all the time, but uh, when you were there, what kind of restrictions were in place? Well, the standard ones, you know, mask wearing, mm-hmm. socially distanced. Um, as you say, it's changing all the time. So uh, it's like you say, people need to check and see what the current restrictions are. So now tell me about the stargazing. Uh, I, I would imagine since you're away from the city lights and the uh, light pollution, it's pretty easy to do on a clear, on a clear night, I would, I would think. Uh, yeah, and it's the clear night because um, most, well, more and more people live in cities. And if you live in a city, uh, there's lots of benefits to that. But one of them is not stargazing because when mm-hmm. you look up, there's all the uh, the glow from the lights. Uh, Yoho, it's not a national or a dark sky preserve like, say, Jasper National Park to the north. But it is still very dark. Uh, you're a long ways away from any major centers. And so 
on the days I was there, I had one cloudy night and one clear night, and the clear night was just stunning. So um, it reminded me of being a child and, you know, going out from the country and seeing the Milky Way. It was just beautiful. So the thing I liked about Emerald Lake Lodge is just because going stargazing, you do it at night. And so if you live in a city or you're traveling to a city, you need to get up and well, leave your couch or wherever you are and drive out in the dark to some unknown place, or maybe it's known, but whatever. It can be a bit um, challenging to find a place that you feel safe going to or that is going to turn out to be okay. Um, and Emerald Lake Lodge offers that. It's it's a beautiful setup. You can just walk out your cabin uh, whenever you're ready after a good meal or if you've been in the hot tub and go do some stargazing. Uh, if you have somebody with you who doesn't like night activities, they can stay behind. You know, if you've got young children or a spouse that's um, not into that, they can stay behind and read a book or gaze at the fire, and you can go out and uh, look up at the night sky. And it really is spectacular. I remember being in um, uh, Ontario uh, in the uh, lake up there, and uh, it really is dark. You forget how dark it can really get. And, and yeah, it, it really is amazing what you miss if you live in the city that you don't see. That's so true. And even, you know, just normal constellations that are too faded, you know, in the city, you can see very clearly there. You may not know the names, but you can sort of tell that there's, you know, like the Hunter or Ryan or something like that. Um, the moon seems brighter there. And there's also lit pathways around the resort. So that makes it nice. So you can get to the edges of the park or not the park, but the, the, the resort area, mm-hmm. um, you know, with relatively, Without, ru- without walking into something or falling <laughs> off the edge of something. Right, right. And you have to remember, I mean, in the summertime or even spring, fall, you might encounter other critters that are not stargazing, but, you know, you, there are other animals out there. So this, I felt pretty safe, you know, with this, um, you know, resort setting and the lights, I could see what I was doing. So, mm-hmm. Did it, Does the uh, lodge itself kind of help you out? At least is there um, a, a guide, little pamphlet or something, or someone that'll that'll do actual uh, uh, tour or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of, but it's uh, it's the sort of thing. I mean, you can they rent canoes during the day. They have sort of an activity center there. Uh, the Burgess Shales, you can see them from Emerald Lake Lodge, and you can uh, take guided hikes up to see the the shale. But at night, um, as far as I can tell, you're on your own. But the setup is such that, like I say, you basically just need to leave your building and, and walk a few steps and you look up. It's that simple. So, mm-hmm. um, And you can download an app on your phone. There's different apps that show you constellations. So you can take something like that on your phone um, and take it outside and just point at the sky and it'll tell you what you're looking at. So nice. you know, technology's made it pretty easy to have a guide in your pocket. Yeah, for sure. How easy is it to uh, book ahead for the Emerald Lake Lodge? I, I realize that uh, you know right now is probably not a good idea, but when it's safe to do so, maybe uh, further on into the summer or into the fall. Well, they have a website, so you can book online using the website, but they also are they have operators that you can talk to. So if you have a special request, you know, say you have a pet or, you know, perhaps you want, you know, that special broom to celebrate, you know, an anniversary or a birthday or something like that, you could phone, you know, with, and maybe talk about, because there are different room types. So some are, you know, two beds, some are more studio. Um, so you could talk to somebody and find out, you know, if you were looking for a specific view or types of amenities, mm. they can help you out on the phone. Well, it sounds like the perfect place to social distance stargazing at Yoho National Park's Emerald Lake Lodge. You can find 
the uh, write-up on the Family Fun Canada website, familyfuncanada.com. And Carol Patterson uh, is a travel writer. You can have you can look at her website too, carolpatterson.ca. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, Carol. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good day. Well, it's time to announce our third and final winner of our bucket list contest with Trafalgar Tours, and that is Sandy Dean. And Sandy's bucket list trip destination is Italy. So Sandy has won a $300 travel voucher from Trafalgar Canada to be used on any Trafalgar tour. But joining us now to talk about Sandy's bucket list destination, Italy, is Wolf Ponick. He is the president of Trafalgar Canada. The website is trafalgar.com. Hi, Wolf. Hello, Randy. Uh, We want to say congratulations to Sandy Dean. She is our latest winner of our bucket list contest. And she, for her bucket list, is actually for her, her and her husband's 50th wedding anniversary. And it's next year, so it's very... Very good. They can kind of plan ahead, but they want to go to Italy, or she wants to go to Italy for him. How nice, hey? That is fantastic. I will do uh, congratulations in Italian. Auguri, signora Dean, per vostro compleanno and matrimonio nell'anno prossimo. So, congratulations, and we are delighted that you would like to travel with Trafalgar to Italy next year. And my understanding is that the uh, program of interest, the experience of interest would be the best of Italy, and that is really our most popular experience in Italy. Well, I'm, uh, I was looking on your website, again, trafalgar.com, and uh, you run a number of different tours through Italy, so I guess it depends on what you're looking for, but if you've never been, uh, this is probably a, a good one, is it? It is a very good choice, the, uh, Randy, for the uh, revisit or the first visit to Italy. Indeed, we operate a total of 18 different experiences to Italy because Italy is such a diverse country. It is not easy to kind of put everything together. But if there is the closest opportunity to see both the characteristics of the south, the center and the north of Italy, that is what the best of Italy gives. And we have packaged it with some very, very interesting and unique experiences. Are the regions that different? Would you know you're in a different region uh, in a country that's the size of Italy? I mean, you compare it to Canada, and Italy is quite small. You would very much know, because people don't know that, but the fact how Italians rate their country, they consider everything south of Florence, southern Italy. So Rome for the people from the north, would be in the South Italy. In North America, we think of South Italy south of Rome, which is also not a bad nomenclature. We're not wrong, but that concept stretches further. And then everything north of Florence, the provinces of Emilia-Romagna, Veneto, Lombardia, uh, Piemonte, that is what Italians would consider Northern Italy. And the cultural differences, uh, the food, the, uh, the wine, the architecture, the uh, remains from the antiquity are very, very different between the south and the north. For example, in the south, you would still have Greek remains and Greek temples that predate Roman temples. You would still still have in southern Tuscany and northern Lazio, you would still have some Etruscan sites and remains which predate Rome. 
and our kind of parallel with Greece. And then as you go kind of north, then you start seeing the dominance of Christianity, the churches, the fortresses, because up until 1870s, Italy was basically uh, an agglomeration of different small states and principalities, and they all have very strong character. And actually, every region has its own dialect. So the Italian we see in the movies, that is mostly kind of TV or official Italian. But if you go to Assisi, versus Naples, Napoli, or or you go to Milan, you would hear different dialects, and you would notice that the sound of the language, the melody is a little different. Uh, could you be my tour guide if I go? Because <laughs> you seem very it, knowledgeable, it <laughs> and it your is Italian is very good. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, and I would just like to mention, you know, Rome is a starting point in most of the cases, and what is beautiful about the best of Italy is that it starts in Rome, the capital city, and also the kind of most layered city in terms of different civilizations sitting one atop the other. So we do go to see Fori Romani, which are the Roman forums. And there are three different types of Roman forums. So they date from different parts, and they're kind of layered one atop the other. And they're all at the base of Campidoglio, or the Capitoline Hill. Then the next day, we go to the Vatican City, which is an independent city-state nestled in the middle of Rome. And we do it different than, than other operators. We go an hour earlier. We enter the Vatican, we go to the Vatican Museums, Sistine Chapel, do everything before the public enters. Then we use the internal passage called Bernini Staircase to get into St. Peter Basilica, so we don't have to go in and out. So what we cover in about four and a half hours of experience with our local specialist, if one was to go on one's own, it would take them probably six to seven hours. Mm -hmm. So then we're able to give an afternoon free to our guests to really do in Rome what they may want to do, which can be optional experience. Like we have one which is called Piazzas and Fountains of Rome. And that's the one I would take because Fontana di Trevi is the one that is best known uh, to, to, to kind of our imagination. But my favorite is Piazza Navona. Navona, which used to be in the olden days, a hippodrome where they used to have the Roman carriage races. So it has a very interesting shape. And it has a beautiful ice cream place at Piazza Navona where our travel directors like to take our guests. And it is awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that I'm looking on your website, Trafalgar.com, because there's a map right there <laughs> that yes. shows yes. Yes. where yes. you're going to go on this tour, because I'm kind of following along all the places that you're mentioning, and I know we're going to run out of time. So uh, once you're uh, through Rome and uh, looking at the Vatican City, which, by the way, I think it's uh, that's like a private tour, and you're avoiding all the crowds and everything, right? Absolutely, yes. So when you get out of Rome, where's where do we go next? So I will go kind of a bit faster, but you're right. One needs to read the itinerary. From Rome, we go down south to Pompeii. We have a visit with a local specialist of Pompeii, and they've excavated almost another whole size of Pompeii. So it is gradually being opened. So you really need local specialists to give you the idea how how, uh, Pompeii got frozen or or burnt Mm. in time. 
And then from there, we go to Sorrento. And Sorrento, Bay of Naples, I mean, that is the most romantic part of Italy. So certainly for a wedding anniversary and to add 50th wedding anniversary, I mean, that is a picture-perfect spot. Our hotel is on the clifftop overlooking the Bay of Naples. It is just fantastic. And then the day after, an excursion to the Isle of Capri. What should I say about Capri? It used to be the uh, gathering point of jet set in the 70s, uh, 60s and 70s. has wonderful history. So great, great part, a great experience. And we uh, visit a beautiful spot and we uh, have a meal there. And then we go back to the uh, mainland and we drive to Assisi. Assisi is where St. Francis Basilica and shrine is located mm-hmm. and in Assisi we stay at the hotel that was formerly a monastery it's called Cenacolo and it is one of our stays with stories then we continue on to Rom- Emilia Romagna we go by Bologna into Verona to see Juliet's balcony we go to Venice we stay in Lido di Esolo in Venice and then one can do different things that evening in Venice. The next day, we take a private motorboat launches, and our group uh, goes uh, down Grand Canal and explores Venice. So it's just, just really the best way to explore Venice is either gondola or a motor launch. So you can really be on the water level to appreciate the beauty of the architecture, the squares, all those things. And then from there, we go to true northern Italy, to Milan. And uh, we go also to Lake Maggiore, because that's the Lake late District of Italy. And as our listeners know, Milan is the biggest city, the uh, home of Italian alta moda, of fashion, of Italian industry. And uh, wealthy Milanese and wealthy Torinese, they have their villas on the lakes. And there are several beautiful, very historic places around the lake, but there are those villas, and clearly the most notorious one is the one that's owned by George Clooney. So we do not guarantee a sighting of Mr. (laughs) Clooney, but certainly we'll see some beautiful villas and get the whole, sink in the whole thing. And we'll have our Be My Guest at the private island in Lake Maggiore called La Piratera. And I'm not going to reveal a lot more, but it is a fantastic uh, gastronomical, enological, and storytelling experience. And then from there, we go back to Florence. What to say about Florence? Renaissance, uh, Michelangelo, beautiful opportunity to either indulge in the food or in culture or both, but really to soak it in before going back via San Gimignano, which is the famous kind of uh, fortified town and uh, the home of the best, uh, of the most awarded ice cream place in Italy, where we take our guests again. So there's plenty of ice cream. And then we return to Rome. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I guess one of the, um, again, I'm looking on this map, and you can uh, look at more details of the itinerary. It's 13 days, by the way. At Trafalgar.com yeah. is where you can find it, the uh, best of Italy. But, uh, but I'm thinking... Uh, there isn't a lot of time on uh, a vehicle because uh, it is a smaller country. It doesn't take a very long time to get from Rome to Pompeii for, and Sorrento, for example, and then back up to uh, Assisi, right? Yes. And, and uh, Randy, thank you for mentioning that because I would like to uh, tell our listeners and our future travel guests and many of our past guests would, would corroborate that. Um, we really 
put together our experience and expertise in selecting, finding the best way, finding the best opportunities for our guests. So what you will see in 13 days with us is not going to be rushed. It will be very immersive. You will have an opportunity to connect with locals. You will have an opportunity to try locally grown food, farm to table, in local trattorias, and you will have an opportunity to really learn uh, bits and pieces that are not necessarily always mentioned even in the guidebooks. So a lot of experience, a lot of crafting goes into delivering nicely paced, very inspiring, very relaxing and very enriching experience by Trafalgar. And you'll be able to speak a few Italian words that uh, roll off your tongue like uh, they do with Wolf. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So again, uh, congratulations to Sandy Dean. Uh, She's our uh, winner of $300 travel voucher from uh, Trafalgar. And uh, again, they can use it for any uh, tour, but uh, I think the uh, Best of Italy would be a fantastic tour uh, for anyone to take. Again, yes, they can use the uh, voucher for any tour. And again, we are asking uh, your listeners, uh, Randy, if they have any particular questions about the destinations, if they want to hear more about Italy, certainly I'd be delighted to to, to talk about Italy again. Well, Pontic is the president of Trafalgar Canada. Again, their website is trafalgar.com. Always fun to chat, Wolf. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveller.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.